0: You get to turn to Acts thirteen, verse one through three. It's found on page one thousand ninety-five in your pew Bible. Again, that's Acts thirteen, verses one through three. What an amazing song that was that they just sang! the The truth that that they sung in that we see played out in uh, what Jesus tells, uh, what we commonly refer to as the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, In that that parable, we're we're told of this father who has two kids and and the youngest one demands his inheritance, essentially wishing his dad to be dead and takes off with it, squanders it all in in sin away from his dad, thinking he messed up and there's no way he can return and still be part of the family. Yet upon his return, his dad goes running to him, hugs him, gives him back the family ring and throws a big party because he now has the father, the father he never left, the father he never lost. Well, the older brother is left outside pouting because the younger one is having a party, and the father goes out there and says, you've had me this whole time. See, both of them struggled with wanting a relationship with their father. And one thing we heard in that song is that if you could lose your salvation, you would have already done it. But well, because it is God who implants that faith on your heart, He does not let go of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And there's nothing in life nor death that can ever separate you again from the love of Christ. Now, the issue of the older brother you're there and you have the Father. Yet, it's remarkable for those who believe in Jesus and trust in Him for their salvation yet spend no time reading God's word or spending time getting to know the Father in prayer. It's gonna be a rude awakening when you make it to heaven because guess what? You get to live in his house with him forever. This is a good thing. But if you are here in this life and now and you don't want anything to do with God, it's gonna be really hard to spend eternity with him, not wanting anything to do with him then. So I think if you don't want him, so work on your relationship with him now so that when you get there, uh, what a glorious and beautiful day it will be. Let us read from the word of God. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's go to God in prayer. O oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In these three short verses in the book of Acts, God does a remarkable thing and change the course of history. Antioch, is a multi-ethnic, multicultural church in Assyria, which would be present-day Turkey. And Antioch becomes one of the great churches over the centuries from the time of its founding. We see here at the beginning, Barnabas and Saul spend two years there as the pastors and teachers raising up the people of this congregation. In the centuries going forward, many other church fathers would be raised out of this church. Antioch was a great church. And it was a great church because of what we see here in these verses. Because God used Antioch, not Jerusalem, to be the first missionary church. This is the first time that we've read in Acts an intentional sending out of people to go and proclaim Christ and Him crucified for the purpose of seeking and saving the lost to form more churches across the world. You and I, we get to sit here today because this church in Antioch was in prayer and fasting and they were worshiping, seeking the will and the direction of God and through That they heard the Holy Spirit speak and say, Set apart Barnabas and Saul. Here's five great leaders you have in this church. Luke named them all for us, but here, set apart Barnabas and Saul, who might have been the most gifted and talented among the leaders at the church of Antioch at that time. For we know that Barnabas and Saul go on this missionary journey and they go and save many souls and start many churches and then they'll split their own ways and Barnabas will go and be a great missionary in his own right and so will Paul the apostle who writes almost half of the New Testament. These two with great gifts and talents and yet they were called and sent out after two years spending with this church. But their calling wasn't new. When we read the scriptures, we read in verse 2 exactly what the Holy Spirit said to the entire church. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I have called. The Holy Spirit speaking in the past tense. This isn't a new calling, not I'm going to call, not I am calling, but I have called. From the very beginning of Barnabas and Saul's life as they were knit together in their mother's womb, God knew exactly what he had planned for them and for the good that he had planned for their lives, that they would be called to be missionaries to the Gentile church to take and be the witnesses to the ends of the earth to finish what Christ had commanded the apostles on the day that he ascended into heaven to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But what's remarkable when we read about this, about this church in Antioch, this remarkable church through the centuries, we can gain a little bit of knowledge of who God calls us to be as church, We see that it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Then after the Holy Spirit spoke and after their fasting, they prayed. This church worshiped and it fasted and it prayed together to seek God's will and direction. What we don't read is that they formed a committee to head up the fellowship department. We don't hear about their regularly scheduled board meetings. We don't hear that they are putting a task force task force together to determine the strategic plan and vision for the next 10 years of the local congregation. What we see is that when the people of God, whom he called from the world by the grace of Jesus Christ, when they gathered and wanted to know what God wanted them to do next, they prayed and they fasted together. Not an individual fast, not an individual prayer, but as church together, they had a prayer meeting. And because of a prayer meeting, the Spirit spoke. And because the Spirit spoke, apostles were sent into the world. And because apostles were sent into the world, They went with the gospel to seek and save the lost. Because they took the gospel to seek and save the lost, people came to Christ and were saved. And because people came to Christ and were saved, churches were formed. And when churches were formed, they had prayer meetings. And it goes on. And it continues on until the church stops praying. Till the church stops gathering to worship in prayer and fasting together. The will of God is constantly one of sending forth with the gospel. For it was Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost. Then he gave us the church to be the primary mission house for his gospel to be the filling station where we can come and be filled and learn so that we can be sent to tell. Not so that we could be made comfortable and stay right where we are. Now this church in Antioch, when the Holy Spirit speaks up, set apart Barnabas and Saul. How great they were. The the church could have easily said, well, wait a second. Why don't you take Simeon... The Niger, you know, Lucius. Take somebody else. We need these people. They've been here two years. Look how great the church has flourished with them being here. We need them to survive. But that isn't what happened. See, the church in Antioch was not in a survival mode. Rather, they understood explicitly exactly the purpose of the gospel was to expand God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. For they knew the will of God. They knew the will of God. Yet, while it seems, and it can appear that God only calls the most gifted and talented, those weren't the qualifications that Barnabas and Saul held that allowed them to go be missionaries. The singular qualification that Barnabas and Saul held so that they could go be missionaries is that they were called by God. One does not have to be brilliant by worldly standards or a great talent to be a missionary. One simply has to be called. God often calls ordinary, unspectacular people to go out and do extraordinary things for his kingdom and his glory to be made known to the world. In fact, more often than not, he calls the very ordinary. See, Paul writes in his letter to the church in Corinth in the first chapter, he says, "'For consider your calling, brothers.'" Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Not many. Some were, but not many. God most often uses ordinary, unspectacular folks to accomplish extraordinary things for his gospel. And he demonstrates over and over again That he'll use rich and poor, young and old, Jew and Greek, brilliant and ordinary for his purposes. I pray that we would not be reluctant, each of us, and collectively as a church, to go and answer our primary calling to be missionaries for Jesus the Christ. In Texas we say, so get on with it. Get on with it. But here's that calling. What exactly are we to get on with? What is this calling we hold? Well, we read in Scripture that we have a primary calling to live as followers of Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we are called to die to self and live for Christ. So then all we do Living and dying, we do for the glory of the Lord. Our call is meant to be lived out in a world God made and one for which Jesus died. And we see that the calling for us as Christians isn't measured by outcomes. It isn't measured by what the world would call successful, but through the process of following Jesus through it all. That while what we read here in Paul and Barnabas being sent on the first missionary journey set forth by the church, God calls us all to go on our own missionary journey with the gospel he has given each and every one of us. For some, he has called us to be missionaries in our family. Others, he's called missionaries to be in our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces. And yet others will be called to be missionaries to the far corners of the earth. But make no mistake about it, we are all called to carry the gospel and to share it, to help seek and save the lost. See, Jesus says in the Great Commission found at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, go therefore And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. It's the very same instructions he gave the disciples before he ascended into heaven when he said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Gospel of Mark records Jesus at the very end, saying these words. And the author of Mark is is John Mark, who is also with Barnabas and Saul on their missionary journeys. And and he records Jesus' words, and he said unto them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Paul writes a letter to the Roman church, one he has not visited personally. And he says in chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Well, the good news is we've got a room full of people here that God is sending out to go reach those who don't know Christ. Some of you are like, yeah, let's get on with it. Others are saying, I'm not so sure what you're saying here, Pastor. What I'm saying here is the truth of Scripture that all of us have this primary call that because we were saved by Christ through his gospel given to us that we are called to share it. When Jesus sits with the disciples in the upper room and says, I give you a new commandment. Therefore, go and love one another as I have loved you. If we withhold the gospel of Christ from anyone we care to say that we love, we do not have love for them. Sometimes it is going to be deeply uncomfortable to share exactly what Christ has done to change our lives. but it's what is required of us. See, Paul continues writing to other churches that he planted along his journey to the church in Thessalonica in his second letter that he wrote them. He says this in the 14th verse, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, the other apostle who's been so prominent up till now in the book of Acts, says in the second chapter of his letter, verse 21. He writes, For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Momentary minutes of inconvenience suffering we experience in those relationships that we might lose because we love them so much we want them to know Jesus hails in comparison to the suffering Christ experienced on the cross on our behalf. And then Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says in chapter six, verse nine, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. This is the calling. The very one where the Holy Spirit says, I have called them when he knit them together. It's the very calling God has laid upon all of us when he knit us together in our mother's womb. He has called each and every one of us to a missionary journey. How we go about discerning, whether that's in our home, our neighborhood, our work, or somewhere in the world. Well, we do exactly what the church in Antioch did. We get together and we worship, we pray, and we fast. With intensity and seriousness to determine God's will, not only for the life of the church, but for those in it to where He might send them. Because Jesus is still the Savior for the lost, one of which we all used to be. And there's millions out there still who don't know Christ. May we all go forth being sent just as Father sent the Son, so he sends you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the salvation you've given us. So thankful that you hold on to us and we cannot be separated from your love anymore Lord as we gather in this space we ask what's next who are you sending out next where are you sending them Lord we know there are millions upon millions of people in the world who still do not know you and have not heard the gospel. We're afraid to ask, but we know what the truth of the scripture says. And so if it is one of us you are calling, may we have the courage to go as you send us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.